Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Alright, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. This is not the fantasy show, even though James is not here this week. He is currently moving, so me and Pat Storm... We're gonna we're gonna take over. We're gonna run the regular show and see how it's going. Hey Pat, how are you doing? Good yourself. I'm doing good. We got a lot to talk to talk about. Uh, we're gonna do the preview on the linebackers and kind of hit start to hit up the um, I guess preseason news. Uh, there's actually news right now about football, which is exciting. However, if you're a college football fan, not so much. Well, first things first, we have merch now. Again, I'm wearing one of the hats. Please go to Last Stand Hats or go to our website itself. Please purchase a hat. They're awesome hats. Please do so. Um, we have a Patreon. Again, if you can sign up, you know, donate a dollar. Nothing big. We're greatly, greatly appreciated. We do have a lot of expenses with this. And if you donate a little bit more, we do have fun things going on. For instance, we do the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe reviews every week. We sit there and we kind of talk about them. Jordan, who most of you know is Texans Thoughts has not seen any of the MCU movies previous previously to us doing this. So it's incredibly entertaining, entertaining to get his uh, reactions. Um, then, can't forget, we're going to have an opening game event at Kovoskiu. Um, Arian Foster just tweeted out how much he loved that place. So that kind of gives you a hint of how good their food is. So come join us. We'll follow all the social distances. It'll be BYOB. We'll watch the game together. Have fun. We're going to shock the world and just watch the Texans put on a show. All right. Um, I think I hit on everything. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We are also going to have shirts here very, very shortly. D-Texan designed this absolutely amazing Johnson's in the backfield. It is not as dirty as it sounds. It's a take on angels in the outfield. Like if you remember that old VHS cover, think of that, but with football, with our, with our awesome running backs on it. It's a cool, cool, cool shirt. Very excited about it. Um, you should see a preview of it out here shortly if you haven't already. And let's get into it. Pat, what so you got on. for us? Anything exciting? Um, so we finally get a little bit of movement from the team. Um, they brought in uh, P.J. Hall today. Um, they signed Gerald Hawkins yesterday after he worked out. So he's an offensive tackle. was formerly with the Steelers. Um, so they're just – kind of exploring some options for both camp bodies and depth for the team. Um, and so we'll see it kind of how things shake out. And then also today the NFL lifted all of its uh, restrictions, I guess. I can't say all the restrictions. They kind of loosened the restrictions on having players in for tryouts. Uh, so now instead of having two guys in, you can have up to eight guys. Um the testing procedure for them is a little bit different now and so on and so forth. So it could uh, spur some things into action around the league, not so much just in Houston, but uh, we can finally start to see some movement with some of these top guys, hopefully with uh, Everson Griffin, Jadavion Clowney, Logan Ryan, um, hopefully get some of them onto a roster and, you know, see how things shake out. All right, I'm going to ad-lib just a little bit. This isn't on our on our show notes. But of the free agents still available, who would you hope that the Texans bring in? 
this is going to be the one that everybody wants and everybody's hoping. And it's to me, honestly, the, the one person that's still out there, well, there's two, but I'm going to go with this guy first is Jadavian. Just simply for the fact that we know what he can do, right? It doesn't show up on the stat sheet necessarily, but the guy wrecks backfields. He gets to the quarterback, not necessarily sacking them, creating pressures, or getting the hits, but he forced the quarterback into other guys. And that's what you need. That's what this team absolutely missed last year. And I feel like if they had him, they would have, they could have beaten Kansas City. Oh, no doubt. We are in a hundred percent agreement. If Clowney was on the team last year, and we somehow still had, you know, Jacob Martin and Gary Conley on top of that, with with Clowney, we beat the Chiefs. There's yeah. no doubt. Easily, I just th- that was the one thing that was missing. By the second end of the second quarter or start of the third, JJ was gassed. You could see it as soon as the, the Chiefs started to rifle off points. JJ was gassed. And he was the only one creating anything, regardless of what he did. He didn't have a sack. He didn't have a hit. He didn't have – he didn't even have a tackle in that game. J.J. was absent because he was so the focal point. Well, he, he wasn't makes- absent the first half. J.J. was doing the things that we always praise Clowney for doing. He was collapsing the pro- collapsing sure. the pocket. He was making life difficult. Um, mm-hmm. However, once he got gassed, and you could see it, when he was trying to chase down Mahomes and he couldn't catch him, and you could just see it in JJ, and that's when when the wheels fell off. Whereas yeah. if you have somebody like Clowney on the other end, either way, um, one of them collapses the pocket into the other, and we beat yeah. Kansas City because with the cornerbacks we actually had last year, yeah, we could have done it. We could have done it, but we didn't. So yeah, yeah that's think, that's a great choice. Yeah, and so and I think what it takes is is Bill O'Brien's got to pick up the phone, and he's got to apologize. And I'm not going to say that he has to say that, you know, I shouldn't have traded you, but maybe say we handle things a little bit different. We don't blindside you with everything. We keep you in the loop and just kind of let you know what our plans were. And that's kind of what this team really lacks is the communication with their guys when it comes to things like this. We saw it with Kareem Jackson. We saw it with DJ Reader. We saw it with Glover Quinn. They just don't communicate with these guys when it comes to the end of their time with Houston. Um, they don't get a phone call to say, hey, thank you for everything you did. And then, like Glover Quinn, for example, he stated on a couple occasions now that during his contract negotiations with other teams and his visits and stuff like that, he was in Detroit and they made him an offer. And he told his agent, all right, get a hold of Houston and say – hey, look, this is what Detroit is offering. What are you guys going to come back with? And his agent calls Houston, and an hour later, Houston leaks the news that Glover Quinn's already agreed to terms with Detroit. So it's like, you know, what what did, what did Glover Quinn do to you to deserve that type of treatment? What did Kareem Jackson do to you to deserve that kind of treatment? What did Jadavian Clowney do? Nothing. But I, I think it's just something that they've got to work on and communicate better. And so if Bill can do that, if he can, you know, find the the courage to call him up and say, Hey, look, we screwed up. Let's, let's mend our, you know, broken relationship and 
you know, you've got a, we've got a decent chance to win, you know, have something special here this year. Come be a part of it. We'll make you a competitive offer. You know, what, who is, I mean, I'm not going to say that Javian doesn't have the right to say no, but it, this situation to him makes all the most, the most sense. His family's still here. He knows the defense. He knows Weaver. Weaver would probably do a hell of a lot better job of using him with Merciless and JJ on the field at the same time. Not to say that Rack didn't do it at times, but he struggled. And we never saw those three succeed together as a unit. Granted, they weren't on the field a whole lot together, but. Well, all I can say is I I can't really source this, but it's a friend of a friend. Somebody that played uh, ball with Clowney at South Carolina said that he wants he loves Houston. He loves the area of Houston. Yeah. Um, that's all I really can add to it. So it always, you know, I was a South Carolina alum. Clowney is my guy. I have probably watched more Clowney tape than anybody that's not getting paid to do it. And, yeah, we're not getting paid to do it. So definitely that would get my hopes up. Um, I'm, I, I'm imagining you're saying that there's a chance. Maybe not much of a chance, but at least there is kind of a chance that maybe happen. At this point, there's got to be some sort of chance. Like his, his options have got to be limited, right? We know Seattle has thrown him money. Um, or thrown an offer at him, right? And apparently they've retracted that offer and maybe have moved on. But they could be playing the long game too, you know, trying to sweat him out, drop his money, stuff like that. The Jets have been rumored. Um, so if I put it out that the Jets, the Texans, and Seattle are the three teams left that have, you know, a, a play for him, I think Houston wins it out just by default, just because of yeah, and all that. My understanding with that as well is both the Jets and the Browns have made better financial, but if it was up to Clowney and money was no issue, it would be between the Texans and the Titans. Uh, Titans for football, Texans for family. So I could could be wrong, and I don't want to throw anybody out there under the bus, but that is what I've heard, and I hope, and I pray, and I really wish it would happen. So I'm wondering, you said that there was two guys that were kind of close. Who's your second? Logan Ryan. Okay. As a or as a safety? Why not both? I mean, he could be that guy that can come in and you can plug him in wherever you need him. And he can be, you know, what you hoped Tyron Matthew would have been. And a lot of people give Tyron a lot of crap for not being the best in coverage and stuff like that, but he was played out of position a lot. Yeah, he was number and, he was like ranked eighth in coverage overall out of all positions last year. So yeah. Aaron can we know he can do it. We absolutely know he can do it. He's shown it plenty of times. And I just think that Logan Ryan can be that guy that if you need him in the box, if you need him outside, if you need him covering the slot, if you need him covering deep, um, you know, he can do it. And I don't think he'll be overly expensive. And I just think that, as Rick Smith said, you can never have enough DBs. Right. Yeah, Logan Ryan, I think it's incredibly interesting that he is marketing himself as a safety and not as a corner. So you can kind of see what what he's thinking. He's always been similar, I think, to Kareem Jackson, except he was actually better in coverage. You could actually run with a guy with his head turned around. Now, he's had his moments. He's definitely had his moments, especially lately. But when he had the play in front of him, he was still a very solid corner. Um, he just got burned a lot at corner. So he's he's interesting. I won't lie. Um, if you put him at safety, um, yeah, okay, cool deal. So 
what do you think about this one? Tyron Matthew backing Bill O'Brien. Or not backing, but not trashing him, actually saying something nice about him. You know, it hasn't – it's no secret that a lot of the players don't have an issue with Bill O'Brien specifically. Um, we saw, Are you sure? Because the media keeps telling me something different. Yeah. Now, when we talked to DJ Reader, when we talked to even, you know, Tyron Matthew, obviously, um, a lot of these guys don't have an issue with Bill being a football coach. When because they understand the business, so even Jalen Strong, you could have trashed him. Yeah, Jalen Strong has before said some things about Bill, and he's even said when people were saying, "Well, Bill never had y'all prepared," he said, "No, he legitimately had us prepare to win every Sunday. Like he did his best. What we felt was his best. Now that could be." you know, just Jalen trying to avoid confrontation, but he hasn't been one to do that before. He's always taken taken on those confrontations, you know, full on on social media. So I don't think it's a secret that some of these guys really do have um, a good relationship with Bill and they feel like, you know, things were okay, that he was doing a, a pretty good job. So, and I, I think that, for someone of Tyron's um, status in the league to speak out publicly like that when he could have easily, you know, just blown the comment off and, but actually respond to it with some praise for Bill. I I think it shows a lot. No, definitely. Again, everybody, this is that we don't understand. We really didn't understand the dynamic between Bill O'Brien and Brian Gay. Um, this was what was floated around that he got the guy that he had handpicked kicked out, and it's kind of trashed Bill O'Brien's uh, reputation, especially around the media. But I think that Tyron saying that actually further murkies that relationship, where it really was Bill O'Brien not blowing smoke. He said he wasn't paid to do that. That when it, that wasn't his job when discussing his relationship with with Brian Gain and and personnel. So I I just think that's interesting. Again. It's a lot of the stuff that you hear in the media, you have to take a grain of salt sometimes because it's a lot of people literally just throwing throwing stuff against the wall, just seeing if it'll stick and trying to fit a narrative based on what they see instead of listening to what the players actually have to say. Now, granted, there's an exception, a pretty big one in with Hop, but that's a completely different circumstance, and I think that may actually have more to do with the the relationship Bill O'Brien was trying to create with Deshaun taking over the locker room. All right. Um, so do we think anything of Gerald Hawkins? Do you think that he's there? Why do you think we're signing another tackle? We just drafted one. Didn't we draft a swing tackle? Yeah, so they drafted Charlie Heck. You've got Roderick Johnson. Obviously, you've got Titus and um, and Laramie. You've also got you know a couple other guys that are, are there that can – can fill that role if they need someone. Um, but it's it's training camp, and especially with everything going on today, they want to have make sure they have all their I's dotted and their T's crossed when it comes to having somebody in a position to fill in should the need arise. And I think that's all it is. I don't think that they lack confidence in anybody that they ha- currently have on the roster. Um, I think it's really just about – making sure they have someone in a position to fill in 
you know, should the need arise. It's the same thing that we're seeing with the defensive side. Like they brought in Brandon Marshall. Um, they brought in another linebacker recently, another tight end recently. Um, they're just having these guys, you know, they're sitting down with them, talking with them, working them out, making sure they're healthy, put them through the ropes and just trying to make sure that should the need arise, if someone, a player goes down in camp or early on in the season, they have somebody on speed dial that they can call up and get over here quick. So, cause, and also I think what, so we got a 53 man roster and 16 guys on practice squad. So you're going to have 69 players, um, total in the building at all the time. So you're going to really only have to make 11 cuts from the 80 that they're at now. So it makes the most sense to fill out that roster to 80. They could go up to 90, but then they would have to do split squad practices. Um, but the, right now, if they have 80 people and 80 guys that they feel like can help this team, you know, why not? Yeah, Gerald Hawkins is a big-bodied offensive lineman. That seems to be the uh, the new du jour with the Texans offensive lineman. They keep going after these really, really big guys. Um, he's another one that he's got technique issues. If he learns how to use his hands, set his feet a little bit better, he's got all the size in the world, but he gets pushed over because of bad technique. So we'll see. We'll see if he's anything. Um, it, to me, I guess it's still another signal that they're not quite confident in Roderick Johnson because Charlie Heck, I mean, they can practice squad him and they can protect him. Like there's, yeah. there's no risk there. And the biggest thing Heck had going for him was size. So you get a guy that's another that was a fourth round pick, um, fourth round pick for the Steelers or the Buccaneers. I, I I know he was he started with one, traded to the other, had some injury issues, but he was a fourth rounder, and so was Heck. He's a developmental guy, so it's probably very similar. He's a fourth rounder that's already got a couple of years of experience, so maybe a couple of years of development. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, we saw a lot of you know, issues with with Max and preseason and stuff like that. Same thing with Titus. Um, it just takes these guys time when they get on the, the field at the NFL level to, you know, for things to click. And the game speed at the NFL versus college is totally different. And for an offensive lineman to learn kick steps and, and lanes and all this other stuff, it, it takes time. And so, you know, maybe it takes – somebody else's teaching and somebody else's verbiage for it to click for him. But who knows, you could find a diamond in a rough. So that's, you know, look at what they did with Arian Foster, AJ Boyer. These guys were undrafted and then turned into some of the best of their position. Um, so you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah. All right. Um, we, it looks like we dodged bullets with the opt outs. It still was only, only Eddie, Eddie Vanderdose. Um, mm-hmm. However, we're, we're just going to touch shortly on Kenny Stills, not really say much. He's healthy. However, we'll we'll see if he's going to play. Um, kind of leave it at that. We're still taking visits from players, P.J. Hall and Brandon Marshall. I think it's more telling that Brandon Marshall, who definitely fills a role that we, we need help with, wasn't signed. And the Texans seem to love him. And based on his Instagram, he seems very disappointed that it didn't happen. So he must maybe not quite – doesn't quite have a lot left in the tank is, is my guess. If they think yeah. that Dylan – I think that Dylan Cole at this point in his career is probably a better player 
However, it's just, will he stay healthy? Whereas Brendan Marshall is probably a step slower at this point. Oh, absolutely. Dylan Cole, regardless of injuries, is still fast. It's just the health concerns that, you know, that's why you have these guys ready to go in case you need them. Um, yeah, Brandon could come in and he can maybe get you by. It'd kind of be a stopgap if, you know, Cole goes down for two or three games or, or if he's got to go on IR and you can activate him later on in the season. Um, you bring in Marshall. It's, I think it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, they, they have confidence in these guys, but I don't think they have all the confidence to not work out potential replacements for them. Yeah, and I loved P.J. Hall coming out of Sam Houston, right? I, yep. I always get him backwards. I'm, I'm awful. <laughs> but um, Sam Houston coming out, coming out of school, I loved him. I thought that he would be a great, great pickup for the Texans if he fell in the draft. And then, you know, the Raiders go and draft him in the second round. However, he's out there. They brought him in. Do you think there's anything there? Is he any good? Is he worth I don't think I, – I don't know. I just – he's small. He's short. He's, what, six foot tall, 300-and-something pounds. Um, unless Weaver sees something in him, then I just – I don't see, you know, a, a real need. Again, it doesn't hurt to bring these guys in and, and work them out and get a hold of, you know – and get in their head and kind of pick their brain a little bit. Um, you know, he's a second round pick. So obviously he's got talent, right? Like you, a team's not just going to waste a second round pick on somebody. And uh, I think it's one of those things that they're just kind of doing their due diligence on someone that recently re- released because he failed his physical when he was traded. Um, so obviously, you know, the Vikings saw something that they liked. And that's why they made the trade for him. And if you can get him for a seventh conditional seventh round pick, why not? Um, but then something popped up on that physical they didn't like. So yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by it. PJ Hall was an interior defensive lineman that could actually rush the passer. Granted, I mean it was for Sam Houston, so different levels of competition. He only had 1.5 sacks in two years with the Raiders, so he hasn't really shown a lot. But coming out of school, he was a great great prospect and. We'll see. We'll see if anything works out. I think it would be cool. However, I'm not realistically excited about him and, and his prospects. All right, Pat, is there anything else you want to go over before we get into the linebackers? No, I think that's about it. All right. Well, we're going to do our linebacker preview on the meat of our show today. Um, do you think this is too much to say that we have the best two linebackers, the best duel out of the entire AFC South? Maybe not depth wise, but the our starting two, two. Our starting two. Uh, yeah. I think it's a little bit much just because of what Darius Leonard does in Indy. I think they just gain that slight edge because of what his, his ability is. So you're saying that, that him and a shadow are still better than our two guys. Yeah. No. Just because Dar- no. Yeah. <laughs> Darius Leonard's good. Don't get me wrong. He's a South Carolina State guy. Great, great player. There's a reason why he earned All-Pro his rookie year. But no, no. Really? He is the best linebacker. He is is the best linebacker. But as a duo, I think that our guys are slept on. And what can – well, okay, so – yeah, I can see it. Just because 
you've got a, it's a solid one-two punch. So my argument with that is both Cunningham and McKinney, of course, we know their limitations in man coverage. Um, however, they are the two best run-stopping linebackers in the FC South, including I don't even take Leonard in that. I would say the best one-on-one matchup for Derrick Henry in the entire AFC South is Menardrick McKinney. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we saw that in the playoffs, or we saw that at the, towards the end of the year, you know, last year when BMAC went horizontal and took out two guys. Yeah. I mean, I know the key to picking on him is get a get him lined up against the running back. Of course, we know that. He does have his limitations. But we've also said that if this was 20 years ago and the NFL was still a run-first league, then BMAC would be considered one of the best linebackers in football. Yeah. If yeah. you just want somebody to stop the run and blitz the passer from your middle linebacker, he's the and best. I think that's something that they don't do enough of with him is blitz him. Correct. I really I think def- that they need to blitz him a lot more. I definitely agree in that. And I pro- part of the problem there, I think, is they don't have a Sam that can fall back into coverage if he's blitzing. Um, granted, maybe that's the hope of Grenard, that he can, he can do that. He can fill that role. Uh, football, so every player is relying on somebody else to do another job if they're going to do something else. But BMAC, even though, again, I was one of the guys that said, you know, maybe he's worth trading. Part of the reason I said that he's worth trading is I think that there's a lot of value for him. This wasn't to ever trash him as a player. I do think that he is a quality player. He just has a very obvious weakness that we haven't been able to to scheme around. Yeah, and I think that speaks to, you know, I've said it a couple times, that I feel like the game has passed Romeo Cornell by. Don't And I don't want people to take this the wrong way. He's a great defensive mind. But I think that in today's NFL, with the way offenses are built, um, again, BMAC is great against a run, but if you don't have that little bit of extra speed there, he's just not, you know, he's not he's not Zach Cunningham, whereas Zach can do both. Yeah, no, Cunningham is a freak athlete. I keep waiting for him to get better at single coverage. It's going to happen. He's too good of an athlete for it not to happen. He's got too much length, too much size, too much speed. However, you remember that – what's the correct word? I'm not even sure if we're allowed to curse anymore because we're trying to be all professional. But that, that troll on Twitter who tried to argue that he was not even an above-average player, that his argument was we shouldn't even think about Cunningham as an elite player, but – not even an above-average player. He said that, at best, he is average because all he does is tackle. No. <laughs> the guy just obviously doesn't watch the games because I think Zach is extremely slept on in a lot of aspects in his game. I know he gets some recognition, but I think Zach is extremely slept on as one of the best linebackers in the NFL. No, there's no doubt. Because as much as we talk about BMAC and his ability to stop the run, Zach is arguably even better. Now, yeah. he doesn't match up as well with Derrick Henry as Menard yeah. does. How many <laughs> brain in the NFL are built like Derrick Henry? I know. There's not a lot of tanks out there. And granted, that's actually important for BMAC because we have to play the Titans twice a year. 
and it looks like we're going to have to do deal with Derrick Henry for a couple more years. So, you know, maybe not training, trading BMAC will be a good thing. If they don't run right. his legs off of him. I know. But Cunningham, you know, he's quicker. He's able to slice through um, blockers a little bit better. He mm-hmm. creates more tackles for a loss. He gets down really does. easily. He's just same exact same weakness. He struggles on single coverage. Both of them are actually plus at zone coverage. They know how to work to man the zone, essentially. They know what area of the field to watch and how to react based on how the play is going to go. But mm-hmm. neither of them are quick enough or have that quick twitch to stay with smaller, especially smaller running backs. Yeah, because I think running backs that have straight line speed are not the issue. It's the guys that are getting out into the flats and making quick cuts is the thing these guys struggle with is changing direction. And, I mean, that's it's hard to do as it is, but trying to do it against a a five foot six, five foot seven running back that is agile like a rabbit for a linebacker is hard. Right, and that's something that the Texans have to address. We either got to find a safety can, that can do it, or we've got we've got to figure that out because we have two guys that are very close in their skill set that are very very good at, at what they do. However, they both have the exact same weakness, and that's how you attack the Texans. If I was to tell you something that would absolutely blow your mind, I'm not sure you're going to believe me on this. Let's hear it. PFF, who usually hates the Texans. Oh, God. If you had to guess where they ranked our linebackers, where would you put them? Middle of the pack, like 15. 15th. Okay. Um, Fourth. What? Yeah. PFF hates us at everything. They hate our defense. I think they actually had our defense at like 28. But yeah. strangely enough, they have our linebackers at four. Wow. They, they have might the Seahawks. Out of me this season. They have the Seahawks at one, the Cowboys at two, the Buccaneers at three, the Texans at four, ahead of the Colts at five. Wow. Wow. I know. Now, is that just – all right, so who does that include, though? That's the entire linebacking core. So outside so linebacker. They do say that we're top-heavy with uh, Cunningham and Menardrick. And then after that, it's Dylan Cole. Um, they're picking on him for only having 470 career snaps. And Kalambai, or Peter Kalambai, at only 123. So they have, according to them, they have the best top two. It just falls off quite hard after that. So go figure. I... I'm absolutely at a loss for words when PFF agrees with me about something because they usually make me hate them and want to, you know, never give them money. That's shocking. All right. Well, after the top two, of course, it's Dylan Cole. Mm-hmm. Love me some Dylan Cole. Just got to stay on the field, man. Got to stay on the field. He can attack the run. He can cover. We've seen him fly down the sideline to cover people. Uh, I just – the health thing is just scares me so much. Yeah, Dylan Cole, far and away if he's healthy, and I we've talked about this for two years in a row because he also hasn't stayed healthy for the past two years, he covers up for the weaknesses in McKinney and Cunningham. He yeah. can cover he, – he can pretty much play safety. He is that good of a coverage. 
However, he just can't stay healthy. Um, I just had it written down. The 470 career snaps is not a lot. No, not at all. So that that does really put it in perspective. And granted, both Cunningham and Benardrick McKinney are, they're Ironmen. They really never miss time. And they stay on the field. And they don't get subbed out a lot because they are, I mean, they're good at what they're asked to do. Just don't cover a running back. Um, So even when he was healthy, Cole didn't get as many snaps, as, except in passing situation, obvious passing situations. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, when he's healthy, he, I think that he could possibly be the glue for our linebacking core. You honestly could have taken this segment from last year and copied and pasted it to this year as it's the exact same thing. And I think a lot of his playtime has to do with the fact that he was undrafted. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you invested, what, a second round pick in McKinney and now a second round pick in, in Cunningham? Both were in the second round, right? Yes. So I think you've invested that much capital. And, and obviously, those guys have their, their skill sets that they do better than Cole. And then, I, so I think that's the reason why Cole hasn't really gotten the playing time, obviously. But I think that with more playing time, he can do it. Yeah, no, like definitely. He can absolutely do it. I would almost argue that he is the most important of the three. Yeah. He'll get maybe a third of the snaps of the other two, but the snaps that he'll get are more important. And when he's out there, especially on third and long situations, it just completely changes the face of the defense. That's how you get – and Arthur McKinney to be able to blitz more. You have a healthy Dylan Cole. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you're not worried about him at that point. You have, you know, you have that safety blanket sitting on the sideline. All right. After that, we've got, do you really want to talk about Brendan Scarlett? Hmm. Don't get me wrong. I love Brendan, but that guy can't set an edge to save his life. He's just, he's not quick enough. So you weren't here for this episode. How long do you think it takes um, Grenard, Jonathan Grenard, to take Brendan Scarlett's starting spot? Week four. Week four. And I think that's solely just based on because of what Scarlett can do in special teams. Do you think that allows Scarlett to keep his starting spot longer because he's so good at special teams, or do you think that they reduce his snaps on defense so he can be more of a contributor on special teams? Yeah, I think that him being one that he's so respected by the the other guys on the team, right? Like, he's one of the smarter guys on the team. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it gives him a slight edge at this point. But I think, as Jordan always says, the film don't lie. And I think once Jonathan Grenard gets on the field and starts playing more, the coaches are going to see it, and they're going to have to hand snaps over for sure. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Grenard, what are your expectations for him? Four sacks, 20 to 30-ish tackles, and a fumble recovery. He's going to be in the right place at the right time and get a key fumble recovery at some point in the season. So, you, yeah, and you said starting week four, you got pretty high expectations for him. I love the guy, man. If people heard me before the draft, um, 
I was on with uh, Anthony Wood on his podcast, and that was one of the guys that I really hoped that they would have signed, that drafted. And so when they drafted him, I was pretty damn excited. All right. I need y'all's help with it. Don't get me wrong. Um, I try to come around to every player we draft, and I try to get extremely excited about him. But I am struggling with Bernard. I am not on the same level as everybody else. Help okay. me. Help He'll come me. around. He'll come around. It's okay. It's okay. You'll come around. I just I – th- I see a lot of raw potential, and I feel like he can bring something to this team that they're really missing with Scarlett. I feel like that he's just going to – he's that much better. I just see the talent. So that's my hope, man. I just – he's got to be that guy. All right. Do you I'm think... just so over Brandon Scarlett. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> you know, Scarlett's fine. He shouldn't be a starter, but he's fine. Um, do you want to add anything about Peter Kalambari? Great special teamer, but maybe goal line, and but that's about it. Like He just doesn't do it for me anywhere else. Yeah, I'm still kind of shocked that he was moved inside. Um, he was outside when he was drafted, and I maybe they're going to ask him to play both, but we – We've actually got a lot of ba- lot of bodies on the outside. Um, let's see. Are we gonna are we talking about outside linebackers as well? Because we pretty much focused on the interior ones. Um, That's up to you. I mean. All right. Well, let's go. Whitney Merciless. He is the uh, he is the standard bearer. Are you excited about him this year? Yeah, I think Whitney kind of shocks some people this year. Something about it, just I have this feeling. Whitney has had double-digit sacks before, and I feel like he can do it again. And I think Weaver is the one to unlock that. I feel like Whitney can – oh, hey. I feel hey, like, uh, how's it going? Weaver is the guy that can unlock the the Whitney of years past and, you know, get, get him going again. Get him playing to his contract value. My timing was a little bit off, but Jordan Texan-Sod has just joined us, and I wanted to make sure that he joined us for Jacob Martin. Ooh. Okay, we're doing linebacker positional reviews, yeah? We are still working on our mm-hmm. linebackers. We're almost done. We're just got to get the uh, the outside linebackers, uh, Jacob and Duke. But I wanted to make sure that you were here for us to talk about, about Thank Jacob. you, John. appreciate that. appreciate that. And I actually have one more ask of you. Okay. Um, I just asked it to Pat. And I've rewatched your video a couple of times, but I'm still struggling to get excited about Grenard. Can you can you help help me get excited about Grenard? Funny you say that. I'm gonna have a Grenard video on Thursday um, to really show things. For me, I think with the main excitement, so okay, he's never he's not gonna be a perennial double digit sack dude. I don't think that's where he's gonna be, but he is a very high level technician. Um, especially coming from the college level, like most guys just rely on their athleticism. And his hand technique and his ability to time his punches to offensive linemen's punches is insane. It's it's some of the best I've seen recently. And so that pass rushing ability, I believe that's going to translate day one because he has the technique. And then on top of that, he's just the most well-rounded outside linebacker we could have taken in the third round, for sure. His run defense is super underrated. That's going to get him on the field. That's what's going to get him snaps over Scarlett and over Jacob Martin, honestly, because we need our outside linebackers to run defend. So that's really strong. And then he's also a really smart dude, which we know Bill O'Brien and the coaching staff, they love. And his coverage, that's the main thing. We saw glimpses of it 
They liked it in the Senior Bowl. And if he can do that, we need that because we can't be having Brandon Scarlett in coverage no more. And our, our line, other linebackers are not great. And he's going to be real, real vital for that. But honestly, for me, like, to sum it up, he's kind of Whitney Merciless. That's, like, what I see his game is. He's, like, not, not a true elite athlete, but he's a technician. And he may never be a perennial double-digit guy, but he's going to have some seasons where he's around seven to nine sacks pretty consistently if he's given the time. And he's going to be a strong run defender, great bet presence eventually. Um, and the coverage, I think, will be even better. So we'll see about that. But, yeah, that's for Grenard for me. All right. All right, Pat. So Jacob Martin, what do you think about him? Because you, remember, you got Jordan literally breathing on top of you the way that the screens are set up. So you got to be careful with your words. <laughs> Can't talk shit. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna make sure no. that they're right. I really like I really like Jacob, and I think that he's gonna do some really great things um, for this team. And you're not, and I feel like the team feels that way too because you're not trading Jadavian Clowney away for Jacob Martin if you don't feel the same way. And I feel like he can he can come in and just be that guy that's going to disrupt things on off, for offensive coordinators and just make their life hell. So I really think that he can he just needed a little bit of a change of scene, a little bit of different um, coaching, and uh, I think he can do it. I really do. All right, fine. The floor right, is yours. Beautiful. Take us from Jacob and uh, questions and answers. All right. So my thing about Jacob Martin is I just talked about how Grenard, he's not an elite athlete. That's not something his strength is. But we know that's what Jacob Martin's strength is, is elite athleticism. It's something you can't teach. And when you have that, it raises your ceiling exponentially. You know what I mean? Like Grenard, potential-wise, will never be what Jacob Martin is his, because of that pure athleticism. And so anything that he can add on to that from the technique side of the ball that's just going to make him all the better. And a lot of people say he's a one-trick pony. He's just a speed rush guy. But he, the, with the film session that I did with him, he knows what he's good at, and he's not going to stray away from that. Sure, he'll never be someone who's going to bull rush you, but he's fine-tuned his few moves to be really damn good and really damn effective. All the little stats that people love to show to track pass rushes, pass rush productivity, stuff like that, pressure rate, they all have him among the top at his position. And he just hasn't had the sample size to really ball out like we think that he can. But he has all the tools, he has all the abilities, and he's still a young player. I think a lot of people forget that he's in his third year, and he's never had like actual snaps to try and build off of what he's shown. In Seattle, I think he played around the same amount of snaps, just 20%. And then this year is 21%. So, And obviously he's not going to be playing like, 75, 85, 90% of the snaps. But if you can get to 50, that would be really beneficial for us. And um, his, like I said, his, like I said, his athleticism, it's just crazy because there are so many tackles that he faced off against that they simply just don't have the foot speed to catch up. And that's that gets them really, um, what's the word, overcompensating. And so there were a lot of times where they'd be overcompensating the outside. And if he can take that counter to the inside, they are giving him a free path. And so that's just something you're going to see more and more on film. And I don't know, talking to the dude, I can just tell that he wants to be great. He's putting in the work to be great. And I'm really excited about him because, like I said, he has all the tools. He reminds me of, like, a clowny. He's not as powerful, but he's a very athletic dude, and he just needs to put it all together, maybe adds a little bit more to the skill technique part of the game. But he's fine-tuning those little parts of his game. And I I could keep going on and on, but I don't I don't want to keep us here for, for too long. All right. We're running uh, just a little bit 
we're running a little over, only three minutes. We're actually doing better about staying on schedule than we typically do. So go figure. Um, Jacob Martin, I'm just going to throw this out there, number two and pass rush win rate last year. That is a tongue twister, and you know how I am with those. I don't usually do them very well. So I'm proud of myself for getting that out there. So, yeah, a lot of talent. Very excited about them. Do we want to talk about Duke Gaeta 4, or do we just want to move on to questions and answers? Duke's our last one. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. We could touch on it briefly. I mean, I, I know we saw flashes from Duke, and I think – Is he healthy? Yeah. Uh, he's been working out. Um, anyone I talk to says he's been doing, you know, better than expected. He's a little bit ahead of schedule. Um and we just got to see him back out on the field. And it's going to be a crowded room this year for those guys, and hopefully he can make that cut because I know he's a fan favorite. Yeah. Um, only comment I have is about Duke is he tried to be a poor man's version of Clowney where you just try and shoot gaps. That's mm-hmm. essentially what he was kind of sort of good at. Um, I mean, that's a very useful talent, but he can't stay healthy to get too excited about him. And then let's see. Um, I just want to – Touch on a couple of things in chat, and then we'll do questions and answer. Daniel, uh, we'll talk about Blacklock, I believe, next week when we do defensive line. I've got to double-check the schedule when we do them. I, I'll get you excited about, about Blacklock. I'm very excited about him. He, I think he was a great pick for a second-rounder. Uh, thanks, Jules. Um, Texans Unfiltered is Young Ari Gold. So if you see somebody chatting up in, with our name, that's James. Just, you know, argue with him a little bit. And, yes, Cody, my shirt does absolutely kick kicks ass and Giovanni he's excited to see Jordan they are a little quiet tonight okay all right uh questions and answers you got some good ones I got a lot a lot of them and a lot of good ones we got quality and quantity tonight okay let me pull these up okay first one Ooh, what are we going to go with first? First one comes from at Barry Allen, 899. He says, who makes a bigger impact and why Blacklock or Grenard? Going to go to you first, John. What do you think? Oh, Blacklock. He, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a better athlete than Grenard. And that's always step one in the NFL. And he's shown the ability to actually play a kind of um, sort of at an elite level as a run stopper in college. And his senior year, he actually started to show a little bit of wiggle in the pass rush. Granted, college should have a big jump, but Blacklock has the body and the skill set to do so. And then here's the thing about Bernard, and this is part of the reason why I'm struggling to get excited about him. Him and Ross Blacklock's measurables, like their jump, their 40, their shuffle, are almost identical. Blacklock weighs 50 pounds more. I mean, I get the technicians. Like, I get it. I, but that big of an athleticism – or an, there's not an athleticism gap. <laughs> to be as athletic as a defensive lineman when you're supposed to be a Sam linebacker is either A, our defensive lineman is off the charts athletically, which he kind of sort of is. Um, that's part of the reason why I'm excited about him. But Blacklock's a linebacker, and linebackers are all supposed to be freak athletes. So, yeah, so definitely I'm going with Blacklock. All right, I'll hit you on the next question. Jesus, I can't speak, Pat. But my quick thoughts on Blacklock and Grenard, um, I'm with you as well. Blacklock, he's more set to start day one, I think. They want him in that 3-4 defensive end role. Um, So he's going to get the snaps right away, whereas Grenard, he's got more guys he's got to beat. He's got to beat Scarlett. He's got to beat Jacob Martin to get that spot. So, um, And then just to touch on the athleticism part of it, 
it's definitely a concern. It's a concern from testing-wise, but it's also a concern on tape that I see where he struggles against the top tackles in college football, against Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson of Georgia, who were both first-rounders and pretty athletic dudes. He got locked down. He got locked down, plain and simple. And so that's why I say that his ceiling is never going to be crazy high, and he's not going to feast against these top tackles, but he's going to be a very solid dude for us. And I think year, like day one, Blacklock's definitely going to have a bigger impact, but don't be surprised if Grenard over time, he gets right up there. Maybe not overpasses him, but it'll be pretty close. Okay, I think so, Blacklock has star potential. Grenard has amazing support potential. Like one of those guys it. that can really make your defense, but he's never going to make a pro bowl. Where Blacklock, he's going to make pro bowls. Yeah, that's a good, good way to put it. Okay, so next question from at Daniel Blake Hill. He says, why is Clowney or Griffin not a Texan yet? Perfect. We'll go to Pat for that. So I'm actually <laughs> talking to him right now. Um, <laughs> Did you drop the, the nugget today? No, I'm about to right now. Oh, perfect. Um, oh, that hurts. Oh, uh, I don't like that face. That. I'm good. With I don't that. like that face. All right, so I'll, I'll just I'll go ahead and all right. So it's not speculative anymore. All right, so this is what everybody's been waiting for. Last week, Bill O'Brien called Javian Clowney. He actually called him, and they spoke. Um, and basically, Bill told him, "Hey, if I make you a legitimate offer, would you consider it?" Um. And Jadavian's kind of slept on it for a little while. Um, he's kind of thought about it. And basically he just told me it's going to take a miracle. Um, Tennessee is making a huge push for him at this point. And he's looking at houses. So no. I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm, my prediction from the beginning of the season, he will end up in Tennessee. I should have put money on it apparently. Dang. And he said, he said one of the, the key factors is Jonathan Joseph is there. So, are you fucking? They, they were close. The Carolina boys are close, man. Um, and he likes Vrabel. So we may. Uh, I know that's what not people wanting to hear, but Bill O'Brien tried, and I think that speaks volumes. Um, I think it speaks to the idea that a lot of people, you know, they speak all this ill stuff towards Bill on things that he does. And he, he realized his mistake. Um, and Jadavian even acknowledged that. And he said that it, it took a lot. It took a lot of balls for Bill O'Brien to pick up the phone and call him and tell him that. And so, man, I didn't want that to happen. <laughs> that one hurts. Yeah, that really hurts, guys. Um, Bravel is I, Clowney's favorite coach. Like ever, it, so it's, it's. I've been prepared for this. So Pat, I, part of me wants to be like, why did you? I ever let you get my hopes up, but yeah. I told y'all that night when I when I messaged y'all, I was like, man, it, it it's not for certain, but it's it's possible. Uh-oh. Um, and I I kept asking him over the days. I was like, hey, do I get to break out the number ninety? Do I get to break out the number ninety? And he said, not yet, man, not yet, not yet, but. Uh, hey, that one, who knows? Yeah. Maybe Houston we, back for them. I don't know. Who knows? We, I mean, I, I, we can, I guess it's two sources because I can confirm that he 
he loves Houston. Like, he loves the area. This is where he wanted to keep his family. Like, he didn't want to leave. Yeah. But it is what it is. It hurts to lose him, but it hurts even more that it's a division rival. Like, that really kills. Yeah, that does. <sighs> that, that's going to be tough. It's not done. It's not done. So, I, I'm just saying, like, there's, there's still a chance. There's a tiny chance. Yeah. He even said it's not over yet. Like, this was at 9.50, so six minutes ago. He said it's not over yet. Yeah, Giovanni right, in the chat well. made a good point. Sorry. Giovanni in the chat made a good point. Is it – have you heard anything about, like, terms? Is it going to be, like, a, a multi-year? I don't know about that. The, the money thing that? is their – that's their business. I don't – if they want to say it, cool, but that's yeah, their pocket. Sense. I don't I don't care about their pocket. All right, we're going to move on to the next question then. Um, Daniel Blakehill has a couple here. Um, barring something catastrophic, what is your floor for Houston? John, what is our floor? Playoffs, first round exit. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, so you said barring That's something catastrophic. Floor. That is realistic yeah. floor. Not my expectations, but realistic floor. We're making the playoffs. Whether or not barring. we do anything, but we are making the playoffs. As long as... As long as Deshaun is healthy, we are making the playoffs. And I about I about really lost it on Twitter the other day where people are continuing to say the Texans are in the middle of the road. If Deshaun Watson is the quarterback everyone we expect him to be, we are not middle of the road. End of story. That that's it. How do you have a an offensive line? If you take a an above average offensive line it makes an above-average quarterback great. If you have an above-average offensive line, it makes an above-average quarterback elite. We had an elite quarterback with a trash offensive line. Our offensive line is taking steps forward. Our de- our depth at receiver are taking step forward. Taking steps forward. There is no way that Deshaun is going to regress. There's no way. So if he's not going to regress, that means he's an elite quarterback, and we are not a middle-of-the-road team. So all that trash out there just needs to stop. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Great. All right. Next one, still from Daniel Blakehill. He says, if Houston lets you make one realistic move, what would your move be? Well, Pat. Son Connie. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Man, I don't know at this point. Um, I was hoping for Mike Daniels, but Cincinnati stole that dream. I was talking to DJ Reader about it yesterday. I said, man, stop taking all the talent. He just laughed. Um, <laughs> realistic move at this point. I'm going to jump back over to the Logan Ryan. I think that they they know that the defensive, the, like the defensive backs need a little bit more help. Um, and I think that he's somebody that can really contribute. I think that they would feel the same way. I think it was really interesting that he came out and publicly said that he's going to be playing safety instead of corner and sent all the NFL GMs or whatever that information and the stats compared to all the safeties. So that was really interesting because, to be honest with you, when I was viewing, reviewing free agents, I did not like him at cornerback. People love people like see the 100-plus tackles and they get wide-eyed, but as a cornerback, getting a lot of tackles means nothing. Getting a lot of tackles means you're allowing a reception, and then, okay, great, you made the tackle. But you're still allowing the reception. And he had a crazy high catch rate that he allowed. So at cornerback, I don't like him, but I'm with you. If he wants to play safety, because he's a good tackler, he's a good blitzer, if he can come in here, be our third safety, play some box, play some nickel, um, that could be very helpful for us, for sure. He would be my pick, or probably Everson Griffin would be above him, to be honest. Uh, I think D-line help was more of a priority, but I'm definitely before Logan Ryan. 
Okay, next one from Sri Murali. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but he says, there seems to be some excitement about running back Scotty Phillips. Your thoughts? Any chance he makes it to 55, to the final 55? John, Scotty Phillips. Yes. Um, yeah, there's a very good chance. We've got Duke Johnson and David Johnson. Um, David Johnson, hopefully he stays healthy and it's all on mute point. But the, as much as we all hate it, and we all hate it, Duke Johnson, for whatever he, for whatever reason, coaches seem reluctant to trust him with the ball for an extended period of time. So that means we have room for another running back. And... I mean, Buddy Howell, he's taken how many meaningful snaps? I think it's a, it's a goose egg. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, he had a great preseason game, and he's shown some juice repeatedly in the preseason, but he's a guy that they're not giving any snaps to. Um, they view him pretty much predominantly as a special teams player. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, definitely there's a chance that, that Phillips makes the team because he's, he's a running back. Uh, don't forget about Karan Higdon. He's still out there. He looked pretty good last year. Um, he's had another year to get a little bit healthier because he actually was coming off knee issues last year, and that's part of the reason why the Texans were able to bring him in is nobody wanted to touch him because of his knee issues. So mm-hmm. he's still out there. He may mm-hmm. do something, uh, but we'll see. I think Scotty gets Ooh. stashed on the practice squad. That's that's where I'm going to. I think the running back position, yes, we do need a third running back, but one thing that Bill O'Brien said recently is like, Versatility is key. The more you can do, the better. And Scotty Phillips, I don't know entirely. I can't put like 100% facts on this, but I don't think he's a special teamer like Buddy Howell is. He's definitely the more talented. Yeah, he's definitely a more talented running back. We're, we're definitely not disputing that whatsoever. I love him. He's got great vision, great patience, great ability to run through the tackles. Um, I love him for sure as a running back. But with the case of how... COVID is and, and roster spots and stuff like that and how Bill O'Brien's valuing it, I honestly don't see him making the final roster. But like Pat said, he's going to get protected for sure because he's a talent. Yeah. All right, next one from at Texan Jeffrey. We'll go to you, Pat. Will the Texans sign another safety? Logan Ryan. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Oh, my God. We got a full show. Hey. Kind of hoping we'll decided to raise with his presence. How's the new house? Um, I'm tired as can be, and I don't want to answer any of these amazing questions. I just want to come on and tell you guys that this was a great show, and that I love you guys for supporting me during all this craziness over the last month and a half. That I've basically been absent mentally and uh, just productive wise and things of that nature. Patrick, John, Jordan. Thank you guys so much for picking up the slack that I left for you guys to pick up. Um, Jordan, especially to you, like I can't tell you how, one, impressive it is to watch you blossom into this guy that is literally just, I mean, I can believe it because that's why we wanted you, but to, for you to re, for you to see your potential and like start to reach it, man, it's, it's literally like the reason we have a heartbeat right now is really because of all the content you've been providing for our yeah. listeners for our viewers like you're the guy you're the backbone right now like you're literally the like take me aside and like texans unfiltered continues and it's because of you so i really want to on here and i told you like we really appreciate the work you're doing and everything that you've brought to the team um really excited about where we're going pat i told you the other day on slack but i can't tell you how uh, appreciative i am for all the social media growth all the posts you getting us in groups that we weren't in originally 
you making us more relevant than what we were prior to, like all that's going to pay off. We have a very unique window ahead of us that wasn't there. And yep. that window is, is the door, really. It's not even a window anymore. It's a, it's a wide open door. And we have the talent, like, to be able to, like, slam that door open. And it's because of you guys and John being the guy that he is, being with me the whole time. So I just wanted to tell you guys thank you. I really appreciate it. And, like, I know I've been absent, but give me three more days, and I'll be right back to the young RA gold I was prior to. Um, and we're gonna about we're about to kick a lot of ass right now, and I'm in full competitive beast mode internally, and it's gonna be very interesting to watch. So, so that uh, next week on the stream, are you gonna give us a tour of the house? No, because it hasn't been. We don't get to so what? It looks we want cribs, man. It's like an Olive Garden right now. You walk in, and it's this ugly brown with, like, a half-mustard yellow slash butter. Um, I'm in a fucking maroon game room right now. Okay, there, there. Okay? That's all you guys are going to see until this house is done, and that's going to take some time. But I have an office. I'll show you the office. It's super exciting. And real quick, while you're walking there, I want because you forgot to mention him. I want to I want to thank Cody for everything that he does behind the scenes and Preston also because those two right there behind the scenes get no credit and they do they a awesome job. They don't. And, and the only reason I didn't mention that is because one, Cody hates his name being brought up, and two, Preston knows where he stands with us. But you're right, like, they definitely they definitely deserve it. But I, I just I don't, I don't think people realize like like honestly without Jordan. Right now, we literally the only content you guys would have would only be stream on every Tuesday. Yeah, and for me, like that's the biggest part that I think people need to understand is like, you know, I had somebody ask me like, "Oh my God, like Jordan's growing so much more than you were, and like now he's kind of taken over." And I'm like, "That's not who I am. I could care less. Like Jordan knows. Like we had the conversation when he started. Like." I'm about his success. I'm about him being successful, him doing what he needs to do, taking a step back so Jordan can flourish is like nothing to me. And like Jordan is bringing content to us, you know, four times a week in some form of fashion on the website, on top of being on the pod on Tuesday night, he's getting ready for school. Like he's really kicking ass right now. And, and not only that, the best part about it is, the content that he brings is 10 times better than any content people are getting from anywhere else. That's, that's really what it boils down to. So like, I, I understand, like, eh, you know, if somebody's going to post a comment on iTunes, like, oh, it's like a circle jerk. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Like it is. But at the end of the day, like we built this shit and Jordan came in and, and put his own like polishing, like on what we were and made it better. So and Pat, you came in and did the same thing. And like Cody, obviously, with what he's doing with the website, like that vid, that that hero image is funky. That was dope. That was so cool. It is funky. Um, look, I even I'm like I'm wearing an Astros hat. I should tell you guys, like, um, it's, it's my movers hat. Um, anyways, look back to the show. I don't want to get back to it. I just want to say thank you guys so much. I'm gonna hang up and I'm gonna listen. Thank you, James. Man, appreciate it, big time. All right, that was awesome to hear. That was that, like that was a very heartfelt moment. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that was awesome to hear. That that really means a lot. I mean, all the content. It's been super fun. It's been super fun being part of the fan, being part of the team, and excited for more. We're not done. We're not done yet. 
All right, let's keep it going. Next question from at Brandon Whitehead. He says, thoughts on P.J. Hall coming in for a visit today? P.J. Hall, he was that defensive tackle that got released by the Raiders? We talked about him at the beginning of the show a little bit. Okay. Well, we'll move past that one now because we'll start wrapping this up. we got a lot more. Okay, Rocketson4 says, um, where do you see all the top remaining free agents signing? Oh, man, I don't even know the top remaining free agents. We'll just list off, like, maybe the top three. Um, okay, I'll give you the, I'll give you the top three, and then you'll say where you guys think they're going to go. Okay, so Everson Griffin, where do you guys think? We predict him. At this point, no idea. Honestly, for yeah, any, anybody I, I, that you bring down. I don't even know the market for him. I think it's Seattle and Green Bay right now. Those are the, the lead dogs. So I think wouldn't that, be surprised. Does right Seattle really now, especially this time of the year, um, with any of the guys that you talk about, there's the wait and see if anybody gets hurt during camp. If they had a, a, an extremely strong market, the exception I of course have with this is Clowney because of I I think Clown I don't I don't even I don't know what was going on exactly in Clowney's camp, but he kind of overplayed his hand. But for the rest of the guys, the reason they haven't signed is there's not a market for them. And it's a lot of guy. teams obviously think that the guys they have on their roster are better than them and that they're not an immediate improvement. If anything, they're kind of like a lateral improvement. So at, that's just the nature of being a free agent this long. Now, as soon as injuries happen and as soon as people start to take a look at um, what they actually have in camp, that may change. But as of right now, there's no way to predict it. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, with that said, I guess I think you you said that perfectly. So I'm just gonna move on to the next one. Um, also from Daniel Blake Hill, he says one more with the what is B oh Big Ten and Pac-12 not playing. Do you see a possibility of some top end talent falling in the draft with their tape being over a year old? Any certain names I think we are close to breaking through that might not move up boards without a chance to play the season. Okay, I could not read that at all. But basically, I got another question about this. Let me let me read it and we'll do these two together. This other dude. Uh, where did it go? I don't know. Never mind. Anyways, we'll, we'll stick with that question. But basically, with college football shutting down, how is that going to affect draft prospects and their rankings? Like, are we going to get some first-round talents possibly falling to the third, some second-round talents? What do you guys think? Uh, we'll yeah, yeah I think the draft is going to be completely just bonkers. It was already crazy this year. I think it's going to be even worse next year. Um, yep. But we got to see what all happens with eligibility and, you know, all these guys that are that could be entering the draft that may be restricted from it because they don't have the play time or I don't, I don't know how this is all going to shake out because you've got guys that aren't going to play. Um, you've got some conferences that are going to play. It's it's going to be weird. I don't even know. Could you imagine they're going to do the draft while college football is still going on? Kind of like baseball? Yeah. that's It's going to be absolutely nuts. And what that means, I mean, think about it. Matt Barkley was the number one quarterback one year, and the next year he's a third-round pick. So senior year changes a lot. Um, how these guys are perceived as as picks change a lot every season. And right now it's probably going to favor underclassmen that, were, that people were already high on because they're not going to have the seniors that are going to that would typically put out tape, the guys that would jump up that didn't leave early, that's not going to happen this year. So it's the guys that are left over from last year's draft boards. 
So it's those underclassmen. Those are the guys that are the the ones that they're like, well, if they came out, if they were able to come out this year, if they were a junior instead of a sophomore, he would have been my pick. Those guys, it's, it's going to be a younger draft class is essentially what I'm trying to say, just because of the way the tape works and guys aren't going to have a chance to improve their stock. Yeah, and the interesting thing about that is people have pointed out that Bill O'Brien and the coaching staff, they love their senior bowl players. Mm-hmm. You think back to last year, you got basically everyone, Titus, Sharping, Lonnie, Charles, I think that's it. And then this past year, Grenard, John Reed, Charlie Heck, like they love to get their senior players because they've got more experience. That extra year of college does so, so much for someone's development and progression and they're more NFL ready. And so it's definitely going to be different for the Texans, but I do I do think that there's going to be some guys that slip through the cracks, fall to the third round, and we're going to get some good values. It's going to be very hard to find them. That's the only thing. Like, they'll be there, but it's so hard to hit at that point. Um, all right, next one from Ryan Reyna, great friend of the pod. Uh, he says, can you all answer your thoughts on how the NFL draft might work without college football slash a short and seasoned? Interesting to see, with, see what you all come up with. So, we talked about like the from the players aspect, but from a logistical how the draft like ranking is gonna work, like what do you guys think? Start with John, I guess. I have no idea. <laughs> I honestly have no idea. Again, um, I kind of just talked about how I think the players being drafted and how they're gonna be hurt. But the draft itself, the fact that there's still gonna be players playing, um, are they gonna shut it down? If you're a second round pick and you're supposed to have two or three games left are you going to continue to play? How are they going to do bowls? There's not going to be a senior bowl. Exactly. I mean, I, I don't know. I really don't. Yeah, it, you think NFL teams aren't going to go into the draft and select a guy in the first, second, third round and then go allow him to play four more games in college and risk him getting hurt. Yeah, It's just not going to happen. It would, And the CBA pre- prevents the draft from being held after a certain date, and I want to say it's in July. Um I'm probably completely wrong, but it's so the draft can't happen after a certain date. They can move it. They can slide it around to try to fit things in. If, say, colleges are like, all right, we're only going to play six games, right? And so then two weeks after the college season ends, they have a draft. But there's no way the NFL, no NFL team is going to allow a player to be basically on their roster and then go play somewhere else. It's just not, not feasible. Yeah, and so I think the other part of his question, you guys answered that perfectly, but the other part of his question is kind of with the NFL season being shortened, how are we going to do kind of draft position rankings? Who's going to be drafting where? And the way that I see it happening is, like, we know the season is starting for sure. We can guarantee that. We can guarantee one game. I feel like we can guarantee a couple more. And so whenever the season ends, those are your rankings. And then maybe, like, the NBA, maybe the top – 10 or top 12 teams is a lottery system where the worst team obviously normally they would get the number one pick but in this case they have the highest odds to get the number one pick but team number two to ten or whatever it is they still have small odds of getting number one pick they can move up they can move down maybe that's how you do it but i don't know do you guys have any thoughts on how they would work the order I mean, it may end up being a coin flip for all we know at this point. For the teams that tie, there's going to be a collection of GMs in a room somewhere, all the teams that didn't make the playoffs or something, they're going to be in there flipping coins. It's just going to be nuts. That's insane. Yeah, I just, I don't know how it's going to happen, man. Like, it's way too early to tell. We're in, we are in the 
unknown right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm still hoping – I'm hoping that the silver lining in this is they'll try and be creative, that they'll try and do things that actually change the game for the next 10, 15, 20 years. And there's a chance of that because the NFL is notorious, notoriously hard-headed. They don't change what they do. But maybe this year, because of horrible just a horrible situation, they do. And they try things, and we kind of see how it goes. For sure, for sure. All right, last question. I still think that's going to happen. Sorry, say that again. I I couldn't hear you. Bubbles. Um, There's going to be like four – I think there's going to end up being like four sites where most of the games are played. For the NFL? Yeah. That's a logistical nightmare. It is, but you just look around, it's it's going to happen. Granted, shout out to the Texans, zero positive tests. That's actually pretty impressive. That's insane. For now, they've had one. Oh, had one. Oh, well, that, that was I think the beginning, right? Yeah, that was like yeah oh, a yeah. while ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right, we got two more questions left. So this one comes from Alex. He says this might be something y'all have talked about previously, but I've heard crickets about Jordan Thomas this off season. Pretty highly touted before. Any idea on his status and potential impact on the team as of today? For me, it was just wild that he was the star of, of last year's camp. That came out of completely nowhere. I feel like. What do you What do you guys think about his his prospects for this year? Well, the reason that he's had such a following, and I'm I'm guilty of it as well, is he is built like a left tackle, and he runs like a, a he runs like a slot receiver. Unfortunately, he also blocks like a slot receiver. <laughs> he hasn't been able to figure out how to use that size, and he doesn't really catch that well. So he was drafted almost entirely based on his size. Biggest, he wasn't even a tight end in college. He was a wide receiver, but he was the biggest wide receiver in football in college football. Um, however, that's intriguing. You're like this guy. This kid played receiver. He has to be able to catch. And then look at him. He's huge. He's he really is gigantic. Um, he is a man above. He's a man of boys out there. He lines up with the tackles, and he looks like another tackle. So you're like, okay, he's got the physical. He's got things you cannot coach. You can't coach size like that. You can't coach that mix of size and speed. And then, unfortunately, the little things he's still not getting. This is almost the exact opposite of your of our uh, Blacklock and Grenard, or Grenard's the technician. Where Blacklock has the things that can't be coached. Well, Jordan Thomas is what happens when you have the things that can't be coached, but you can't be coached up. And <laughs> there's a, I mean, you're three, tight end is a very hard position to learn, especially for a kid that didn't play it in college. Um, it usually takes three years for a tight end to break out. It, think about it, it's a combination offensive line, wide receiver. You're learning two positions at once. So I don't, I say that there's crickets because of the way Bill O'Brien kind of treated him and left him out in situations and let him play the entire last preseason game last year, which ended up leading to him getting hurt, um, which makes me think that Jordan Thomas doesn't necessarily practice the way that he should. Granted, that's not always a lack of effort. Sometimes when we say people don't practice the way they should, they're not getting it. They may be putting all they can into it, but they're not getting it. And Bill O'Brien's not able to reach him in a manner that he wants. Yeah, I think I I kind of said a while ago that I thought they only keep three tight ends. Um, But with 
kind of seeing how things are going and their interest in bringing in another tight end with, um, oh man, I can't remember his name recently, but I feel like they end up keeping all four, uh, maybe not on the 53-man roster, but maybe stash one of them on the practice squad because three of them are practice squad eligible. Darren Fells could go on if they wanted to, but it just doesn't make any sense. Um, I think, uh, yeah, so I think if anything, that's where Thomas would end up. But I hope I'm wrong just because of that, you know, you've got so much draft capital invested in those in the Thomas twins and Kahali wearing already. I think uh, well, Thomas was only a six round pick. Yeah, but it's that's, still that's a draft part of the reason why he's losing steam is he was a six round pick. True. I, but I just think that the draft capital is something that they weigh heavily on when it comes to playtime. And so I, I just hope I'm wrong. I want them to keep all four. At this point, I want, oh, to I, wrong. I want it to be good. I'm entirely in agreement with you. I think that if it clicks for Jordan Thomas, uh, the way he's built, he could be a pretty good player. It's just got to click for him. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the other part about adding or keeping four tight ends is the question of the future. You know, Darren Fells is 34, maybe 35. I think he's 34. And that's he's getting up there. He signed just a two-year deal, I believe. His future definitely – like he's not, he's not going to be the future of the tight end position. Everyone knows that. Jordan Aikens – we all love him. He's also 28. He was an old rookie when he got drafted. And 28, you know, yeah. it's, it's not crazy old, but he's getting up there too. He's almost at 30, right? So maybe another great three, four years out of him at his prime. But then we got to think about who's going to play backup, who's going to be the number two, number three guy. And we love our two tight end sets for sure. And so that's why you need two and even three good tight ends in this Bill Bryan system. And yeah, Kahale is a question mark, even with the draft capital that we spent on him, because he was just such a raw dude, he did need that time off. So I get why we're keeping him and Jordan Thomas, obviously. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they what they got, because like you said, Thomas has all the potential in the world, and if he lights up training camp yet again, there's no possible way that you can't keep him. He's too talented. Yeah. He's too much of a mismatch weapon. Well, also don't... We can't forget... I mean, granted, he's listed as a fullback, but Cullen Gillespie... And Jordan Aikens, their positions actually have a lot of overlap because they're both used as our HVAC. HVAC um, so I'd almost consider him in with the tight end group, even though it's completely different. Because I, I think that when you break down the numbers, that Kahali Waring and Jordan Aikens can potentially do things that would make Gillespie expendi- expendable. But I don't think that that would actually happen. I think it's actually going to work in reverse that he's going to cost one of the tight ends their job because he's going to be the HVAC. And they talk about his ability to be to, – they talk about his abilities as a receiver. I mean, that's what's already been leaked out um, so far. So that's something that, you know, just kind of keep an eye on that. I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited to see us throwing the fullbacks. You know? <laughs> fun. All right. Um, last one I got here from at Louis Orta. He says – do you, so he's referring to the tweet saying that the NFL lifted the prohibition on tryouts um, and you can have like up to eight players trying out per day now. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, do we see any big names coming in now um, that that's been lifted? Or do we see do we see any additions or any big names, basically? I think we've already talked about this a lot, but just to wrap it all up, I guess. Yeah, I don't think it really changed the door more for, yeah, because if they wanted to have them come in, they would have already had them. Yeah. Um, they they would have been some of the first guys to bring in. Um, it's yeah. just 
that's just the NFL changing things up as the positivity rate stays low among the testing. That's just all it is. All right. Uh, that's it for me. If you do want to have your answers questioned, not answers questioned, questions answered on the weekly pod, you can follow me at Texans underscore thoughts. I always send out a tweet a couple hours before the pod, and all you got to do is reply to that, and I will do my best to, to answer them. That's it for me. All right, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Pat, thank you for, you know, pretending to be James this week. Um, special shout-out to James uh, for his inspirational message halfway through the pod. Um, yeah. We definitely need it. Definitely appreciate it. Um, just a reminder, join Patreon. Please, 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 please join our Patreon. Come on, you know, if you can <laughs> if you can spare a dollar, we would definitely appreciate it. This is expensive to do. We try to avoid putting ads on every now and then we do, but we really don't want to. We'd rather not do them at all. If more people are able to more able, if more people join Patreon, you know, that would make our lives easier. Again, it allows us to do more stuff, commit more time, get more articles out of Jordan, more articles out of James, and maybe eventually I'll write an article again. Um, <laughs> we'll get around to it. Um, and then we have fun things on the Patreon. Um, our, again, our MCU rewatch has been an absolute blast. Jordan hasn't seen about half of the um, Marvel, Uni- Marvel Universe movies at this point. Uh, and a lot of the ones that we've watched and that are on, available on Patreon now were his first time watching. So just watch his reactions. Um, where to find us? Houston FB Pod, Twitter and Instagram. You'll either get me or Pat. Um, I, it just kind of varies which day. Um, Pat, of course, has his own at the Patrick Storm. Or the Storm Report. I'm sorry. The Storm Report. I am awful. For what? Instagram? <laughs> On Instagram and uh, Twitter. Instagram is Texan Storm Report and Twitter is at the Patrick Storm. Okay, so I had to write. Yeah. Okay, I feel better about myself now. And then, of course, Jordan is at Texan Thoughts. And then also hit up James, make sure he's doing okay, give him some encouragement while he's moving. And special. Special shout-out, of course, to Cody and Preston for all that they do. It's behind the scenes. You don't get to see them on camera or hear their voice that often. But, you know, we wouldn't be here doing what we do without them, especially having a nice, very nice website. All right. Well, does anybody else have anything else to add? See you guys September 10th at Cobos Q. All right. And just a reminder, hit me up if you want to play fantasy football with us. All three of us will be playing. Um, if you bug James enough, maybe he'll reconsider. You Just a reminder, you've got to be a Patreon or you've got to get, receive a special invite from us. And until next time, thank you all so much for listening. We are out. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.TexansUnfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time. <laughs>